I believe if we're all, to be honest, every one of us at some point in our lives have put on a mask. I have. Here's an example. We're hurting or embarrassed or guilt-ridden or whatever the situation is about something. And, and it's causing us to go through our private walk in pain and sorrow and then we come to church services, let's say, and for a moment in time, we stop that pain and sorrow, even though we're still in pain and sorrow, and we put on a smile, and someone comes up to you and says, good morning, how are you doing? And for what all the reasons you could have added in, we put a mask on. I'm fine. When we're hurting, And sometimes we want them to know, and so we might even have maybe a little bit of sadness, but with, I'm fine. You know how you've, you've seen it. You've done it, probably. And we're giving someone a little open door if they would just pay attention. These are the masks we're talking about. When we're talking about the mask, one of the major reasons, it's not the only reason, but it is a major reason, and so I'm keeping it singular, is because of our insecurity. We're insecure about maybe how we're going to be judged if we share some information. Because brethren, let's face it, we gossip. We have gossip, right? When I'm saying we, I'm not, I'm not saying just here, everywhere, Christians have been guilty of gossip. Or guilty of looking down and judging the person who just shared something that is very vulnerable. But that insecurity leads to a whole host of reactions in how we deal with situations because of that. Um, and as a result then, we'll do whatever we can to look secure. To play the part that all is well. So that when someone asks, how are you? And you're really just falling apart. I'm fine. And when someone discusses things that get really close to hitting us right between the eyes of something that is of particular interest to us or what's causing us to put the mask on, we, we let out in our words or in our behavior in ways that would either deflect off of us and onto them, whoever they are, or we lash out. Some ways that we handle this is by joking, right? Because that's the way you deal with pain sometimes. Maybe expressing anger so that we are justified in whatever it is that we are guilt-ridden or shamed about or ashamed about. Or if not that, we'll do other things that maybe, oh, well, I'll talk about someone else so that we don't have to talk about this issue that is very painful for me right now. And we put the mask on in whatever those masks are in the form of anger or, or in jokes or maybe I'm smarter than you so you have to listen to what I'm saying. Whatever the situation is, we do that. And I don't think we need a poll. To say that pretty close to, if not 100% of us, have done it at some point in our life, if not do it regularly. In fact, as I wrote the article, I believe as you get older and you don't deal with your sins and you don't deal with your weaknesses and you don't deal with painful issues, 
you become very sophisticated at putting a mask on. And in the body of Christ, it has been no different than people in this world. Here's a sister in Christ that took off her mask. And she's asking for forgiveness. Most of you don't even know her because she's only been here a few times. And the rest of her time, when she was living in a motel and working hard and doing right, we would not know it because we don't see her. But here she is pouring her heart out to her brothers and sisters in Christ because she knows, as I skipped on that part of the letter, she knows how healing that has been and how empowering for her to admit her sins has been so she can go forward. And that's what we're talking about. How do you go forward? You know, what is the rub between this mask so that we look like everything is good when things aren't always good and what, what I'm talking about this morning, which is authentic Christianity? And how does it play within the body of Christ? Because in the body of Christ, you can go from place to place and while there's always individuals that will open up and share what's going on in their life and, and try to be quote-unquote real, there are many more that look real but are not. Brethren, I'm just being as honest as I can be. And like Paul says in Galatians 4, I think was it verse 16 or somewhere on there, he says, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? We're talking about being real with one another for a great reason. And then when it comes to us then individually, and we talk about you know, our walk in the Lord, well, we can all raise our hand. If I asked you, well, how many of you are sinners? Well, I would expect every one of you to raise your hand. And no one would have a problem saying, yep, that's me, I'm a sinner. I've been guilty of sin. That's why Jesus came to die for sinners. And we know that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. No one has a problem with that. We can be general about sin. And not have an issue. But what happens when you specifically do as, I'll use Will. Because Will made it public. Saying, Mitch, he said it to the men. He shared it before the congregation. I've got anger issues. And it gets me in trouble. And I want your prayers. I want my brothers in Christ to pray for me. And I'm addicted to tobacco. I mean, that's, that's what he specifically asked to pray for publicly last week. How many of us have an addiction we don't want anyone to know about? How many of us have anger issues? And no one knows about. One of the things that we'll deal with in 2016 is on domestic issues as we get into our family series again. And we will look at domestic violence in 2016 from a sermon standpoint. But these are things that go on in the body of Christ. And everyone's quiet. No one wants to talk about these kinds of things. But if we're going to know the difference between fake Christianity, where the mask is on and everyone looks good, and so everyone comes to church like, look at this church. It's perfect. And of course, we all know there's no such thing, right? We know that. But no one talks about it. We can just say and keep general. I want you to open your Bibles now. We'll look at a few passages. I want to start off in Matthew chapter 5. And there's a lot in these general statements 
that I believe should be helpful for us if we're going to quote unquote be real with the Lord but also with one another. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and beginning in verse 3, very clearly some things that help humble us and hopefully help us to be open with each other about. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what he's meaning by that is that those who are broken in spirit, in other words, they realize I am absolutely destitute and I need a Savior to heal that broken spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. These are individuals who mourn over that destitute spirit. The fact that I am a broken person without the Lord, and every person is broken. It's just that some are like Pharisees in which they don't realize that they're broken, and they act as if all is well. And Jesus said, I I came not for those individuals, I came for those who need a physician. It's supposed to be everyone. But blessed are those who mourn over these things. They'll be comforted. And blessed are the meek, those who humble themselves as a result of that broken spirit and mourning over their destitution. These are the things that are the foundation of any person in Christ if we're going to be able to, number one, be real about, here are my sins, here are my flaws, here are my weaknesses, here are things that I struggle with that I need help. And where do I go to to talk to but the Lord? But guess what happens when the Lord has in his body of believers, those that are able to say, here I am. That's me. And if we're not able to do these things, we're nothing more than a social club. Hear me clearly. What I'm not saying is to take every single thing out of that dirty closet of yours and just let it laundry out for everyone. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we have to be willing to open up more to one another if we're going to be able to hold each other's hands and help each other through our struggles. That's what I am saying. There are times in which you use wisdom. So that wisdom would say, you know, I cannot just trust any person with this information because this person has a big mouth. But this brother, this sister is a great confidant and I can put my trust in them to help me with my struggle. My weakness, my sins. And that's what needs to take place. It is this ladder that takes the person that has a mask that has been on and has taken it off that is able to begin their walk with the Lord in a way that I believe Scripture shows helps us to grow in the Lord. And here's the thing, and we'll look at this when, when 2016 comes around and we'll go through some specifics. I honestly do believe at some point, at some point the light bulb comes on for Christians that says, I really want to be this authentic. Before this point, our pride, our ego, if you will, is more important than showing the real us before each other. Because if we were, we would realize, man, just... I didn't know you were going through these things. But when someone opens up and shares, and I'm using myself as an example from last week, then how many of you have opened up to us 
Now what happens when we do it with, with everyone else? How much better we can be to help each other? And of course, these are the things that I believe many Christians want. We want a place where we can be accepted while we work through our weaknesses, while we work through our sins. And let me be very clear, and I put it in parentheses so the caveat is there for you. That does not mean we're condoning sin, if you will. Just because you want to be accepted while dealing with your flaws and sins. The Lord's church is not a place where you condone or excuse sin. But it ought to be a place where we can say, you know what? This is who I am. I'm a sinner. Saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? In fact... If you were to ask any person that had been through these recovery addiction programs, this is what I'm talking about with regard to um, Alex. And I've heard brethren say this, and I'm speaking of the 12-step program, right? So you got AA or NA or whatever. I mean, there's over 300 anonymous programs, by the way, in this country. There's anywhere from, from upwards to 5 million people that go through one of these 300 programs every year. Up to 5 million. That's 1 in 60 or 1 in 70 in our country, that means. That's a tremendous amount of people. At any given time, a million people in AA throughout the year. That's just staggering numbers. But here's what many have said. I feel like I can open up in that setting than I can at church. I've heard it with my own ears, by the way. And the reason for that is because of that first point where they can be accepted while dealing with and struggling through their weaknesses or their sins. And so for what, whatever it's worth, I want you to realize that when you go from congregation to congregation, look, you know, how close are we? And you have someone like David Andrews, who, what, a couple of months ago said, you know, Mitch, I've been an elder in the Lord's church. And I've gotten to know hundreds, if not thousands, of, of Christian men and women and among the men, I cannot sincerely say that I have a very, very close relationship with. When I heard that, my heart broke. And immediately I thought, who else thinks this way in the body of Christ? Why is it that, that of all the people in the world, the ones that we're going to spend an eternity with, we might have friends closer to outside the body of Christ than inside the body of Christ. I believe Christians want a place in which they can open up and be this way and talk about these kinds of things. Not to brag on sins, not to far from it, but to work through their struggles. So, this next couple of slides, I want you to see something very important and some passages that deal with this. Kind of like that <laughs> AA, hi, my name is Mitch, and I'm a saved but recovering sinner. I mean, it sounds like an AA type statement, right? I mean, whether it's alcohol or narcotics or sex addiction or whatever it may be. But when you can actually verbally state, here, here am I, I'm a sinner. I've been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, but I am a sinner. 
then you're able to go on and do passages that we don't really like dealing with or we wash away or minimize. And that is as was read in James chapter 5. In fact, I want us to go back. I know we were reading in Acts chapter 19, and there's the illustration given, but I want you to look at James chapter 5, verse 16, and see the illustration of Acts chapter 19 as taught by James. So James, when he's writing to brethren, he's telling them, here's how you ought to be with one another. Verse 13, if anyone is suffering, let him pray. Anyone cheerful, let him sing psalms. Anyone sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Well, how does that happen unless we talk to each other saying, I've got this problem and I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray over me, if you will. Then he says in verse 16, Confess your trespasses to one another. And then he adds, And pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? Why do I confess my trespasses to fill? So one of our elders can pray for me. Or to all our elders. There was a time earlier this year in which one of our children had a very bad week with behavior. Bad enough that I thought it important to go to our elders with our child to say, this person is struggling. Notice I'm trying to stay out of gender, right? <laughs> But brethren, that's what we ought to be able to do. Go to your brethren. Not so that you can pick on this person later on, to be ugly with this person later on, but to genuinely pray for this young brother, young sister. This is so important, brethren, if we're going to pray for one another here's a person who has confessed his trespasses and now you can do something about it in a positive way and he goes on to say later on in that very same text that the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much because a righteous person understands that he has been saved by the precious blood of christ as well that he can empathize with the fact that he has weaknesses or she has weaknesses. And this person is not going to use this information that you have so vulnerably shared, but to pray for you fervently. The way that Alex asked for our prayers this morning. The way that a number of brethren that have obeyed the gospel while they've been incarcerated have so seemingly relative to, to many that you would know, open up and share about their sins. Here's a passage I want you to see. When you look at James chapter 5, verse 16, and he says that when you're doing this, when you confess your trespasses, and when brethren pray for you, there's healing. Think about that. There was something helpful to many individuals that have said, Mitch, I struggle with this. 
and only now am I sharing what I have struggled with. In this case, it was not sin that they had committed, but sin committed against them, but were too ashamed, to, too painful to deal with. And there's healing involved in that. And brethren, I'm telling you, as we go, we go through the walk, our walk with the Lord, there are more and more that when we continue to share the gospel in our community here in Franklin or Williamson County or Murray County or Davidson County, Rutherford County, wherever we are, Hickman County, when we share the gospel to people in this world who are of this world, they're going to open up and share with us these things. And we have an opportunity to provide for them this, this haven, if you will, that we're supposed to be, that the Lord's church is supposed to be. While the Lord's church is not a place that condones sin, as I'd already mentioned, it is a place where people confess their sins to one another. It is a place where sinners can come to because, guess what? Jesus added sinners to his body. So the body's made up of sinners, right? Sinners that are perfected by Jesus. And if there's any passage that I want you to really study today and get and understand today, it's found in Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to go there now, and we'll finish with this passage. And I want to see how all this ties together with how authentic Christianity and brethren being able to, to confess their trespasses to one another, to help each other so that healing can take place among brethren that, that for otherwise, if we, don't, if we continue with the mask, everyone looks good. Everyone's lives are perfect. Yeah, we got our struggles, but we just leave it at that. But when we get to understand this passage, I believe... We can be free to grow in Jesus Christ as our Lord wants us. So Hebrews chapter 10. Picking up in verse 11 and then focusing on verse 14. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, speaking of Jesus... After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now I want you to stop. That one small sentence is so huge. Here's what he's saying. Jesus Christ, by dying on that cross, a perfect sacrifice, once and for all, has made us perfect before our God. That's past tense, brethren. He has made us perfect. In other words, in Christ, you stand before God justified. You stand before God Holy, not because of how great you have been, but because of the cross and our Savior's part and our coming to Him. But there's something else in this statement that lets us know who we are while we're here in this world. And He says in the latter part of verse 14, He has perfected forever those who are being, and some of your translations will show that as a Perfect um, future tense, if you will, where you, from here on out until your last breath, if you will, on earth. Being sanctified. 
In other words, objectively speaking, you've been saved by the blood of Jesus and you're saved by the blood of Jesus. Now, walk in him. That doesn't give you a license to go and sin and, and deny him. That's not what we're saying. But what he's saying is that while you stand right before God right now, he is also sanctifying you continually because you live in this world. You still struggle with your weaknesses. You still need a savior while you serve as a Christian. What he's saying is, you're still a saved sinner. That's just not your title anymore. Your title is child of God. Your title is disciple of Christ. Your title is Christian. Your title is believer. Whatever other adjectives that is associated with someone who has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. So what I'm saying is, every one of us should understand that while we're not perfect individuals, the Lord has perfected us through his blood, through his sacrifice. And while we are being perfected, we're continuously being sanctified. We're continuously being set apart. That's the work of our Savior. That's what he's continuously doing. Some scriptures will attribute this very work to the Holy Spirit. And Brother Otis would, I know, would say, yes, that's right. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But my point being, brethren, is that we're continually a piece of work that the Lord has to continue to work on because we're sinners who have been saved. But sinners nonetheless. I don't think there's a person in this room, if you're going to be completely honest that says, from now to my dying day, I will live without sin. Everyone who says that, number one, the theory that you have is not practical. Because once you put your theory into practice, we realize we all sin and fall short, even after being baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. It's just a matter of, I show myself to be perfect, mask on, or I let it be known I'm not. Not as an excuse to sin. Not as a means of showboating that yeah I'm a sinner. Far be it from that. But to keep it real if you will. To have authentic Christianity. When 2016 rolls around we'll look at some of these subject matters in more detail. About some of the things that go on in the body of Christ. Look at it from a congregational standpoint. But I want us to, to look at these things because the more and more we deal with people who are incarcerated, the more examples I see of, of brethren that have been freely opening up their lives, the more I see individuals that that's real. And we're able to pray specifically for them. How about you? By all means, I'm not saying that everyone all of a sudden just shares everything again. But realize, this is what the Lord wants if we're going to grow as the body of Christ. If we're going to grow ever closer and stronger and pray for each other in the way that we ought to pray for each other. Now, for any person who is here this morning, I want you to be very clear. If you've not put on Christ, if you've not been buried into his death so that you can be raised to walk in newness of life, in Acts chapter 19, as was already mentioned, from verses 18 through 20, 
These individuals, as you go back to that passage, they were confessing their deeds. This is the practices that they were engaged in, whether it was black magic, as many of them were throwing their books into the fire after coming to know the Lord, or whatever the sins were, they were acknowledging them. I want you to acknowledge that you're a sinner. That's why you need a Savior. A Savior who loves you so much, He died in your place, and in my place, and everyone else who has ever walked this earth. And the blood that has been shed for you is effective for you if you come to Him and humble yourself, just as was taught in Matthew chapter 5. When you can literally mourn your destitute state. I think the more you're able to do that, the better you're able to appreciate the sacrifice offered for you. That's your invitation to become a child of God this morning, for you to put on Christ this morning. If you have questions along those lines, please come see any one of the elders or myself for that. But we've got a baptistry ready if you want to be buried with Christ this morning. If you're here and you're a child of God and you've been putting this mask on and everything looks real good to everyone else, but you're tired of it, the burden has been so great, stop, please. Take that mask off. And if you're so courageous, we welcome you to come forward and ask for our prayers on your behalf. I know you can take this to God yourself, but if you want the prayers of your brethren and you want the fervent prayer of righteous brethren, that will avail much on your behalf, then this is your invitation as well. Take time to come forward. It's together we stand and sing the song.